Welcome to The Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home, live inspired. Here's your host, Laura Smith. Well, if you're absolutely starved for culture, this hour is for you. We have two wonderful guests, magical, uh, that talk all about the beautiful things of life, the things that bring us joy and come from a, a passionate place, food, travel, all of the things that we really love and make this life's a special one. Karen Antonini is here. She has a wonderful website and podcast cultivated by Karen. And she tells us about a TEDx that she's going to be doing this week, uh, talking about the language of food. And then we move on to Colette Travel with Vice President of Development, Jim Edwards. You know, next year, my radio station in the Midwest, we are taking actually anybody from either of our listening audience from Greenwich, Connecticut or Indiana to a wonderful trip. Yeah, you have to pay for it, but it's going to be absolutely the best priced uh, 10-day trip to the UK landscapes you've ever imagined. We're going to Scotland. We're going to Wales. We are going to England and also to Paris. Hear all about that and the wonderful company called Colette, who takes people around the world and has been doing so for 100 years, over 100 years. And it's all brought to you by Balance of Nature, fruits and veggies in a capsule. You can't go to all those places around the world and eat all that good food without having the right amount of fruit and vegetables all year long, every single day. The only way I know how to do it is to get 10 servings through six capsules a day and um, you're on your way with a variety of 31 fruits and vegetables. It's easy to do and easy to order. It's balanceofnature.com. You put my name, Laura, into the promo code, and you're going to get 35% off your first preferred order and free shipping always. When we come back, Karen Antonini of Cultivated by Karen. It's the way home. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Oh, it's so good to be with you. I can't believe uh, we are in what is feels like finally the beginning of the fall and leaves are starting to change and there's just that smell sometimes of uh, of wood burning. I don't know if people are having bonfires or or even putting the, the fire on in their home. Anyway, it's just I think a lot of people love this time of the year as much as they love summer, which we all do. Um, this is the time where we sort of start to hunker down a little bit and uh, we decorate our homes in a certain way and uh, we tend to uh, go towards different foods and and drinks and I don't know it's just a, a lovely lovely time of the year and there's somebody who I've had on the program before who really takes uh, all the beautiful things in life and sort of not only expresses them in her own for other people also to learn from, but she truly is someone who I would say is an expert in all things beautiful, all things cultural. And she's here with us today. She's actually got a one-year anniversary coming up of her wonderful podcast, which is Cultivated by Karen. And uh, she goes by that a lot. You can go to that website and just see everything beautiful she has there, whether it's about the latest in travel, the latest in wellness, the latest in cocktails, the latest in food. She's all of that and above. Karen Antonini, thank you so much for coming back on the way home. Thank you so much. It's so great to be back here with you, Laura. And thanks for that wonderful introduction as well. Well, congratulations on your one-year anniversary. 
Thank you. I know I can't believe it's been one year and so many amazing guests, just all different, all different kind of walks of life from different countries and around this country. So it's been an exciting year. How many episodes have you uh, completed? I believe we have 56 this week. So we'll be close to, yeah, we're, we're nearly 60 in one year, which is That's great. That's incredible. That is really, <laughs> really something. Well, congratulations on that. I was sort of a remiss in mentioning that not only do you obviously have a podcast and you, you love culture and everything, but, but you're so much wrapped into one, one lovely young person. You're a chef, you're a speaker, you're a mom. You're a linguist. You speak many languages. Is it five? Five, yes. Yeah. Okay. And um, somehow you just, you weave it all together and keep it all together. And it's really a remarkable thing. But you you truly see the beauty that's all over the world. I think you, you believe in um, bringing together through the language of food is what your talk is going to be about this week also on your one-year anniversary, your TEDx talk. Yes, yes. It's also on October 14th in Jacksonville, Florida. I'm really excited to have been accepted to speak there. It's about the universal language of food and how it really does bring us together and how just by even sharing different foods and eating together it's and putting those foods in our body, it's, it really does create that level of trust and connection and valuable bonds that are that are really important. It does. And, you know, you traveled a lot growing up with your family and you still do. Um, have How many countries have you been to? Do you have you even counted? I, I did at one point. I think I lost track, but at least 32. It's it, it's a lot. <laughs> so and each of those places is really special. Some of them, um, I couldn't speak the language, which was really interesting to me. I can't, I couldn't wait to go to those countries. But when I can, I mean, there's always a way to communicate. And of course, through food, when you can just smile, and it's, you know, the nonverbal cues uh, are really important. So, but in each of those places, I've always wanted to explore every bit of the culture. And a lot of that is the cuisine, which is really so deeply rooted in their geography and culture and history and sometimes religion. Absolutely. I mean, food seems to me that it it really, um, people pour their love into it. So it's, it is, so even if you can't share the language, um, they can, they can show their hospitality and their, their desire to have you understand who they are just by sharing food together. I think it's a kind of a, a beautiful thing. It reminds me of you. Remind me of actually like a female version of Anthony Bourdain, um, who that was my favorite show was his Parts Unknown and and just his ability to travel anywhere in the world. It could be you know fancy in France or it could be you know on some remote island with indigenous people, and he would find a way to sit down, break bread, and even if he didn't speak the language, find the language of love through food, just like you do. And I'm so grateful that you're here because, well, he's not anymore. And and I think kind of bridging those, the world of travel, of language, of cultures, and food is is a really wonderful thing. And I think it makes people happy and helps us in a world right now that just seems so kind of crazy and and somewhat divisive uh it feels like food is is the great arbiter of like coming together 
Is that true? It absolutely. Yes. I, I totally agree. And I think, and I also think it's really important to sit down and eat meals together. That's the other, the flip side of it is that for those of us who really do love to cook, it's, you know, it's wonderful and we love it, but it's really about taking that time. So we are preserving our traditions. I mean, everyone has a, a culinary heritage. It doesn't matter who you are, you do. And so to preserve that, but by sitting down at a table with your family or friends, because there's so much more that goes on at that table. Of course, it's the food and enjoying that and, and sharing those stories. But, you know, it's if you have family and listening to your kids or listening to your parents, whatever it is, and there are just other bonds that are really created there as well. Yeah. Um, you have two boys, right? Yes. And yes. Yes. how often are you able to physically sit down at, you know, at the table? Uh, let's see. Well, almost we try to do it as much as possible. I mean, I've had a few things <laughs> this week that have kept me away from them, but I, I prep the meal and my younger son, who's 11, is my what I call the sous chef, although then he'll say, He'll jump in and prepare it and then he becomes the chef. But but we really do try to sit down and especially like on a Sunday. And if we're not with friends, we I make something and we make something together and just really enjoy it and spend extra time because it's so easy to go, oh, okay, jump off away from the table and go watch a movie or they, you know, play with their Xbox. But they they actually really enjoy that time together, which is nice. Absolutely. And I think it's wonderful that you do it. I, I heard that it's really not a common practice anymore. And not because people are shallow and, you know, too busy looking at their iPhones, but a little bit because, you know, it's just easier sometimes. And plus, you know, they've got sports and they've got this going on with their families and stuff. But I think to make that a priority or to at least, like you said, one day a week, even just to have that experience. Do you believe in phones at the table? No, we have no tech at the table. I mean, unless it's an emergency or, you know, with permission, you can look something up if we're discussing something. <laughs> but but really, it's it's really hands off because otherwise there's, you know, it's just a huge distraction. Absolutely. I love that. I think you should start a movement, notechatthetable.com. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. There's I, I a lot of really. Results. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With adults. People. Yeah. I, I mean, we all talk about this and have been for years, but there's nothing more painful to go to a restaurant and see an entire family there, including the one year old baby on the iPad, oh. all up until the adults on their phones. And I'm going, wow, what what happened to the art of conversation? That's <laughs> it's, right. You know, but uh, but anyway, but what you do is you you highlight the things that have always been wonderful and lovely about the whole aspect of preparing food, eating food, just sharing time together with people. And so this TEDx, um, tell us a little bit more about it. It's the language of food. I love that. But how are you um, are you doing anything to sort of bring together your ability to speak many languages and food or is it, or is it something more metaphorical than that? Yes, it is. I mean, I have I have weaved the idea of language through the talk, the language of food, but it's also I do uh, throw in some some words in in another language or two throughout the talk as well, um, which I think is it just makes it more authentic when I'm telling personal stories about Italy and my heritage and and like my family's um, pasticceria, which is a pastry shop in while I was visiting them and. I, yeah, I think it lends to the lends to the story a little bit, but it's it's so, mostly about food. 
it's mostly about food. But I do tell us again, like I said, you were previously on the program, but tell people a little bit about um, where you lived, if you wouldn't mind, and, and your family background and such that gave you this vast ability to speak all these languages. Sure. So I did grow up in, I was born in Manhattan, but it grew up in Connecticut. And my father actually spoke several languages. So that's where I kind of got that love. And then he also ran the international side of a company. And my parents would both entertain their his colleagues and who became, many of them became close friends. So when they would come visit, I would they would teach me words in their language and I would repeat it back. And I was just fascinated with them. I just used to think, what do they do? What do they eat? What, you know, how do their kids, what do the schools look like where they go? So when they would come back and visit, I would repeat the words and phrases they taught me and I would see their eyes light up. And I knew at that very, very young age that it was really important to them that I made it this connection. So that, and I just adored them. They adored them all. So I would continue to study and I studied in school. I had a tutor. My parents got me a Spanish tutor and I would practice with my dad and who also spoke Italian. So that was really the basis of it. And it never stopped. <laughs> and you obviously, well, your last name is Antonini. Is that your dad's? Yes. So you're yes, Italian from your dad. Name. And what was your mom? She's a Danish. Mom? Yeah. Danish, French. So it's a good mix because, as I say, my my Danish grandmother, her mother taught me all about baking. I mean, I really grew up just baking. I was in the kitchen. I would whip up anything. <laughs> I actually found a box of recipes and in my young girl handwriting. And I thought, wow, this is so funny. And then my dad, it was more the Italian, of course, the Italian side. And and then his relatives who taught me so much. And my cousin, one of my cousins in particular, who's like my muse <laughs> for all my recipes and things. So wonderful. So do you create a, a create your own dishes, a lot of them, or do you just sort sort of up, do updated versions of some of the older, more well-known dishes? I do both. So that's a great question because I do, of course, there are certain dishes that need an update, maybe a little bit healthier if we can and without losing the quality or the taste. But I do that where it's where I'll update some dishes and then also a simplified traditional dish because people are busy. But I feel like by giving those kinds of recipes and sharing those with people and teaching them how to make those things, it's a little less daunting than saying, okay, you've got to chop up all these things and add, you know, so many ingredients. And if I am doing a recipe or a video for someone, I'll say, okay, this involves a little chopping, but you can handle it. That's that's the extent, or there might be extra ingredients, but it's really worth it. <laughs> right, absolutely. And and you do do some on-camera uh, cooking lessons, so to speak. Uh, what venues and what platforms are you on for that where people could find you um, actually cooking? Are you doing it on your own website? So I do have it on my website, yes, at, at cultivatedbykaren.com. I have done, I'm, I'm actually speaking with a station about doing this again, maybe a half hour, hour long show. Um, there's some other projects I'm working on personally with my brand to make that happen as well. And yeah, so there's there's a few avenues. I love that. Cultivated by Karen. And by the way, Karen is spelled a little um, less obvious as C-A-R-Y-N. C-A-R-Y-N. So when you go to Cultivated by Karen, 
Remember, it's a C-A-R-Y-N version of that name. Um, so, gosh, you've got a lot of irons in the fire, no pun intended. And um, you just seem to be doing everything and everywhere. And uh, where have you been lately? What, have Did you go anywhere over the summer? I did. I did. I went to Italy. I went to Rome and I explored. I did a lot of exploring. I went to Roscioli, and which they just opened up a shop or a restaurant in New York City. And so I explored things that I hadn't kind of went off the beaten path a little bit there. And then I went to France, south of France and um, Saint-Tropez and around the area as well. And of course, met many chefs and people there, which is wonderful. Yeah, that's incredible. And tell us um, again, what what are the five languages that you speak? So I speak French, German, Italian, Spanish, and English. Wow. Wow. In a day and age when English seems to be a little challenging for a lot of people, <laughs> probably myself included, for sure. But um, yeah, that's really, really remarkable. German is so hard. My daughter lived in Germany for eight years and man, she had a, it was not easy. And so yes. for you to get that, and French is not easy. I thought because I speak Portuguese fluently, I thought Italian and French would be easy. Mm, not so much. Not so it's, much. Yes. <laughs> the accent, it's 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 hard to get it down. It, I mean, I started at a young age. I think that's part of it, but yes. But uh, yes. <laughs> but, you know, I think learning languages, whether you're going to use it or not, is just so incredibly good for a young person um, I just know I went to an international school in first grade for a couple of years and everyone was from a different country there, but we all had to take Portuguese. But some of the kids, even in like the first and second grade, already spoke a few languages. And I was so amazed by that. I just thought, but I think, I think just basically it's good for the brain. So it's, it's, it's good to see that a lot of um, schools now offering not only language courses, but immersion programs. And I, I think it's wonderful. I think it's a great thing and does open you up to other cultures. So you do your podcast. Do you drop a new one every week, twice a week? What is the schedule? It's weekly. Yes. So we, we do once a week. We recorded one today, in fact. And yeah, so we've had some amazing guests. We had a mycologist who is a mushroom expert. Uh, I believe last week it was fascinating talking about chaga and the benefits of chaga. And, and I was going to ask you about that because what is chaga? I love mushroom soup and I love every mushroom on the planet. But what is chaga? So it's a fungus that grows on birch trees in the northern hemisphere. Like really, I think he says it's almost not quite Arctic, <laughs> which, of course, like the Adirondacks. He's in the Adirondacks, but very cool temperatures and they thrive on the rain. So they've had a lot of rain. They're very happy. And chaga is actually parasitic to a birch tree. So it has all these amazing properties. It has to protect itself from the tree. So the benefits of it are they're incredible i mean the level of antioxidants he was talking about i actually just ordered uh, some of the extracts and the tea it's amazing just to have that on a daily basis wow so, and how about the flavoring is the do they have to do something to change the flavor or do you just kind of you know hold your nose and drink it <laughs> it's pretty mild it's actually really mild i know i was thinking the same and in fact the the first time i'd had it was it was chaga chai so it was in a chai. He actually gave a recipe for that, which was, it's amazing. It's really delicious. But he has one that's also maple flavored. There's like a hint of it. 
I just had some earlier today and I put a little bit of maple, but you really, it's just so mild, you can't taste it. And even when you put the extract in, it's, it's but great. The health benefits are there. It's incredible. And so when, so what your podcast, do you have references on them where, or their ref, uh, you know, websites where people can find like the recipes and things like that? Yes. So if you just go to my website, cultivatedbykaren.com, you'll find there's a whole section for the guests and then you can reference it's referenced back to them. And also on Instagram at cultivated by Karen show. I always post and, and promote them as well because they have, they've all been so fascinating. I mean, I've had some amazing guests, both, both big and, you know, more unknown, but for instance, this gentleman who's the mycologist is I think 26 years old and just a wealth of knowledge. So to me, that's fascinating. Yeah. Oh, absolutely fascinating. And Oh, it truly is. It really is a wonderful escape, you know, from from the din of our daily lives to be able to just to hear about these wonderful things. It It, it is so much. I just got back from the Adirondacks. I had my first vegan marshmallow. Oh, wow. Oh, how <laughs> you can it? imagine. It actually was really good. And I said, well, I didn't even know that what kind of animal properties could be in a marshmallow that you'd have to make a vegan version. And they said it's the um, the gelatin or something that comes yes. from, I guess, is it marrow horse, or something? Horse yeah. hooves, I believe. Yes. Oy, 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 yeah. oy, oy, oy. Yeah. I'll tell you what, the vegan one was absolutely delicious and it melted on the stick just like a regular marshmallow. But yeah, it was fun. I, I just went back to the East Coast. And so I got to do New York City, Greenwich, Connecticut, where I went to the new sort of, or at least new for me because I, I don't live there anymore, but um, Moli, the it's like an Asian fusion, uh, really yes. super cool, high end. It ends up turning into a real scene on Thursday nights and uh, really beautifully. Dead. But it was wonderful. And, 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 you know, Greenwich is just full of all these great restaurants. And then I was in Mystic, Connecticut um, for a wedding. I did officiated a wedding for the first time ever. And so then it was let, lots of good uh, seafood and things like that. And then up to the Adirondacks. So it was just and Boston. I was in Boston. And um, I, I just loved, you know, I love going downtown Boston. They have so many wonderful places. And we went to the North End. My best friend's daughter is the master mixologist at a place called Wicked Craft. And she makes the most incredible unique one-of-a-kind cocktails so much so she's so young but she made what was boston called the very best um espresso martini in the whole city so oh she's wow an upper up-and-comer at wicked craft but uh yeah really truly fun but so much great food to ha- to have right here in our own country and everywhere you go it's a little bit different and i love that about traveling you get a, a little bit of what's endemic to each each part of the country and out here in the Midwest is a totally different thing as well. And I just, I love that. So I think you're, you're onto something here that absolutely unites all of us, Karen Antonini. And, uh, no one can speak more fluently about food, about culture, about travel, about all things beautiful that, that we need. And, uh, the TEDx would love to know. How can we tune in as you're doing it live or do we have to wait for it to be posted on a website? Do you know that? I don't know that. I'm not sure that you can tune in live. I could find that out, but it, I know that for sure it will be on YouTube and, and then Ted, I think it's a couple weeks, maybe after the talk, they post it on the Ted site, but it, it will absolutely be on the YouTube. Yes, that must be channel. one of the hugest websites in the world, that Ted uh, website. <laughs> 
the, the range of topics that people talk about. And yours is going to be very special, the language of food and uh, just melding all these wonderful things that you do and represent in your life. And I thank you um, again. Cultivated by Karen, and that's C-A-R-Y-N. Cultivated by Karen. It's an incredible website. There's so many beautiful things on there, plus recipes, plus her podcasts, plus all sorts of information on things like chaga, (laughs) things like that. (laughs) Uh, Karen, I so appreciate you coming back on, and the world needs a little bit more of you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Laura. I really appreciate it. It's great to be back. You're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Pinch me if you can, because one of my all-time dreams is coming true. Since I started in the radio business 27 years ago, I had always hoped and prayed that I would get an opportunity to go with my listeners on a trip to anywhere, literally anywhere. I just wanted to travel. And it's been something that I literally has been on my wish list since the day I started in radio. Flash forward now, go almost three decades, and my dream is coming true. And it all happened because I happened to be at a radio convention where I saw this table with uh, two very nice Uh, warm and inviting gentleman who said they were with a company called Colette, which sounded very familiar to me. And I said, well, why is that? And lo and behold, they told me, well, you've probably seen us on the Wheel of Fortune. We're the company that does all those incredible trips around the world and have done for so many years. I think it's almost 100. Jim Edwards, Vice President of Global Business Development of Colette. Thank you so much for joining us today. Laura, thank you so much for having me. We're excited to show the world to some of your listeners, and uh, it'll be a a few chosen, um, uh, so don't miss out. We can only take about 32 people, and we'll tell you more here in just a minute. So, yes, exactly. Now, when I met you at the the radio convention, um, I thought, well, you know, I'll just say hello or whatever, not thinking that there's any way that we could make this a reality for the companies that I work for in Michiana 95.3 MNC and the all-new MNC Nation, but also in uh, Greenwich, Connecticut, where my show also airs. Jim Edwards, you've told me that this uh, opportunity is available for up to 32 people. It could be in either one of those listening markets. Um, they can fly from whichever airport that you you know have a hub from, and they can go from there. So uh, tell us about the trip that we're going to take, because I couldn't be more excited. It's called UK Landscapes. It is the beautiful, honestly, the, the beautiful part of uh, the British landscapes. And uh, we're going to be seeing Scotland, um, England, as well as Wales. And it's just a vibrant energy that you'll find in England. We'll hear the unique sounds of Scotland, maybe a bagpipe or two. We'll see the rolling countryside of Wales. It really combines dramatic history and an array of fascinating landscapes. Um, Folks are going to love it. It's 10 days. Uh, It is air-inclusive with tax. 
We're going to cover the, uh, most of the meals, typically breakfast daily, and probably about 60% of your, your dinners are included, um, as well as more of a personal concierge, somewhat like, uh, that's a guide that's going to walk you through and be with you from the time you clear customs to the time we put you back on the plane to come home. And to your point, Laura, we can fly uh, your listeners from more than 90 airport gateways across the country. So I think we're going to have a, a big group coming out of Chicago. Um, but if you're in Boston or New York or Dallas, no worries. We can get you there as well, and you just meet everybody in Edinburgh. And that's oh, where we start. That's where we start is Edinburgh. And I really, I want, I've been dreaming of going to see the castles there. And I just, I don't know. I think I have, I'm, I have, I'm like an eighth Scottish or something. So that qualifies me for being very excited to fit right in there. I'm, I can just sort of see the beautiful landscapes as, as we talk. And, and so we're going to have a concierge, as you said, someone who will go with us on the tours, right? Because once we're there, um, we're going to go to to various uh, historic sites, and 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 we'll have a guide somewhat. We're not just going to be left on our own, correct? Correct. Yeah, this is a package that uh, we've been doing for for decades. The company, by the way, we're coming up on 106 years in business, so uh, we've been doing this a time or two. But it's a package: uh, two nights in Edinburgh, one night in York, two nights in Chester a night in Stratford-upon-Avon, and then we finish up with two nights in London. So you'll have a guide with you from the start to the finish, taking care of all the details. Honestly, Laura, you and your listeners just need to show up. <laughs> have breakfast, uh, typically um, 6 to 8 o'clock, breakfast is available, and we're either going out with some touring, um, getting on a motor coach, deluxe motor coach, or doing a walking tour. And the great thing about, uh, about Edinburgh is it's a very easy, walkable city. Our hotel is city center. Uh, we're going to list all of our hotels so your folks can find the website. That uh, Actually, they'll go to your website, click on the information there, and it'll take them right to the trip webpage that will show the day-by-day itinerary and all the hotels are listed. But the Royal Mile connects the city center of Edinburgh up to the Edinburgh Castle, which is majestic, setting on a hill, that's where the crown jewels are located. The armory is there. All the history of, of that great castle. And uh, it's going to be, be magnificent. But every step of the way, the guide is with you, uh, giving you content, history. We'll even have a couple historians that are going to join us. And believe it or not, even in Oxford, your folks will have a chance to either go to one of the museums there, of that, that great uh, academic city, or they'll have a historian that's going to walk them over to one of the colleges that was uh, in the Harry Potter movies. So if you've got any Harry Potter fans, uh, they can choose that as well. Oh, my goodness. I absolutely love that. And I know that there's even some nights where you can sort of kind of do what you want to for a few hours and just go in the neighborhood and check out some of the scenes yourself. And, you know, there's some flexibility to that. But then there's also someone to guide you every step of the way so that you know where you're going. And all of that is paid for, including like many of the meals, um, you said, within the, the price package. I'm assuming that the hotels are are lovely. They are fantastic. Uh, we choose the hotels for the location. Uh, we want them to be city center and also the ambiance. So we'll have some um, some that you may recognize, some brands you may recognize, some that you won't that are more boutique. 
but four-star or better hotels, four-star or better. And, uh, again, that guide is with you from start to finish uh, along the way. And as you mentioned, Laura, there's free time. Usually lunches are not included. That's a time where we do some sightseeing and exploring in the morning. That's included. We stop for lunch. People have an hour, hour and a half to kind of do their own thing, go down an alleyway, maybe in New York. In York, You walk the cobblestone streets known as the shambles and maybe find some shopping, maybe find uh, a, uh, a pub mm. you can have uh, a quick lunch. Pubs are a great place, by the way, in all of the U.K., and uh, they're great for food, great for meeting the people because that's, that's where the locals really go to, to interact. But um, free time for dinners as well. But our guide is always with you, so they'll give you direction. You're never going to feel like you're alone, and uh, that's a great thing about it. Leave the details to us, including all the hotels, the meals, the sightseeing, and even the flights. We'll take care of everything. I love this. And and like you said, you've been doing it for over 100 years. This is a company that has learned over the many, many decades, over the century, about what it means to make a trip absolutely unforgettable. I think that we have chosen a time to go, Jim, that is going to be really great for people. It's going to give them enough time to prepare, and it's also a wonderful time of the summer. It's the end of August, August 25th, and going into the first week of September. All in all, is it about a 10-day trip? Exactly, Laura. August 25th to September 3rd, 10 days total. And uh, Colette is not only, uh, we've got the history and the experience, but we're also a company that you can trust in good times and bad. You know, we're coming off of a three-year period of the pandemic, and I just want your listeners to know how we handled things. With Colette, um, if you wanted your money back, we gave a 100% money back refund, full money back, including airfare and everything. Um, if you didn't want a travel voucher or future travel credit, people got their money back. We gave back $185 million in full money back. That's how we handled things. Um, but again, a family-owned American company uh, that's been doing this for a long time. So experience as well as a company you can trust. I, I absolutely love that. And I think of Pat Sajak and, and Vanna White with the, with the Wheel of Fortune and how, you know, so many millions and millions of Americans, they look to them as as people who would only have the best of the best running their trips. And, and Colette, all these years I've been seeing you on that show, and I've always said to myself, this looks like I wish I could go on one of those. And here it is. The time has come, and it's all dream come true stuff. I believe there is an extension part of the trip that is available to anyone who wants to join Casey Hendrickson um, from 95.3 MNC and myself and me. Um, we're going to do a three-day extension to Paris, and that is also available to anyone who wants to continue on for another three days, correct? That's correct. And actually, uh, if you wanted to spend more time in Edinburgh, maybe go a couple days early, uh, maybe you want to spend a couple days uh, in London as well, um, there's many options. We can make it flexible for you as well and uh, take care of things. Yes, and you you just, as again, you are the full-on experts on all of this. So we are, I feel like we're in the best hands, yet we're going to get a, 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 a truly a trip to remember for a lifetime. We want people to know only 32 spots available, so get in on it. You'll be traveling with, I promise you this, 
our listeners to our stations are absolutely the most wonderful people. We'll be family before we know it by the end of it. And we're just going to have memories to be made together that will never be forgotten. So I'm so grateful for this opportunity. And Jim Edwards, again, people just need to go to our website, correct, to, to be linked to the information. Also, they can go to Colette's website, right? Actually, uh, if you go to our website, you're going to be lost because there's 170 (laughs) itineraries on all seven continents. So I would say uh, best to go to your website or call 1-800-581-8942, and uh, we'll have a reservation agent that will talk through the itinerary with you, answer your questions, or you can see the itinerary for yourself if you just go to 95.3 website. Which uh, Yes, and I'll yeah. give that out because it's easy. 953mnc.com. 953mnc.com. And everything will be posted there for the UK Landscapes Trip of a Lifetime next August 25th. And it's going to be a 10 days to remember. And we thank you so much. I'm so grateful that you lured me over to your table that day at the radio convention and that truly not only my dreams, but many people's dreams will be coming true with this extraordinary trip. Thank you so much, Jim Edwards, Vice President of Global Business Development for Colette. Let us show you the world. It's going to be an amazing time. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jim. Thank you so much, Laura. Looking forward to showing you the world, you and your listeners, and very happy that we're working together. Thank you so much for your trust and support. Likewise. Thank you. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Once again, here's Laura. Well, I didn't know this, but we're going to learn all about it. Uh, I have to admit, don't know much about cholesterol at all. But what I really didn't understand or know is that it can create a a heart episode, either a a heart attack or stroke. And so I think it's really important that we get some education on this with Dr. Eduardo Sanchez. He's the chief medical officer for prevention for the American Heart Association. Thanks so much for joining us, doctor. Pleased to be with you. Let's talk cholesterol. (laughs) Yes, let's do. Um, Can you please explain for those of us who really, I mean, a lot of us say we had our cholesterol checked and whatever, but what is it actually? What is cholesterol? So the simplest way to describe it, cholesterol is a substance that circulates in our bloodstream. It's a natural substance, but when it is too high, it can lead to the um, buildup of cholesterol plaque, cholesterol um, stuff um, that, as it builds, can reduce the flow of blood to parts of the body. The ones that really matter a lot are your heart and your brain, um, and can sometimes lead to complete blockage of arteries to the heart or arteries to the brain and lead to heart attacks or stroke. That's the bad news. The good news is that cholesterol can be checked. LDL cholesterol levels can be determined. LDL is the bad cholesterol because it causes bad stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And there are medications and other uh, things that people can do to lower their LDL. And so what's the important message is all adults should have their LDL cholesterol checked and then have the conversation with their doctor. And I keep talking about conversation with doctor because depending on um, many factors, your age, 
um, your your sex, um, any other diseases you might have, um, that would determine how much LDL lowering needs to happen. And for folks who've had heart attack or stroke, a lot of LDL lowering has to happen. Now, now let me be clear that um, healthy eating and physical activity can and should be part of um, that, that what do you do next, but medication in most cases is going to be um, an important part of that um, set of next steps. Medications will lower LDL cholesterol much faster than eating healthier or being physically active um, and will lower that risk of a heart attack or stroke um, much quicker than um, the other. And still, if you did that, there um, that is eat healthy and be physically active, you still may need to be on um, medication. So on an ongoing basis, once one gets started with um, a treatment regimen, there will be um, periodic checks of LDL cholesterol to make sure that it's as low as it should be to be um, at a low enough level to prevent heart attack or stroke. And the doctors, that would be um, the ones, you know, f- finding out the results or getting giving the tests. Or is that just your regular physician or would you have to particularly pick a cardio a cardiologist for to get this understanding is it something that's sort of typical in every checkup or is it something uh, specialized that you have to uh, pursue so primary care providers and i'm using that word on purpose because that includes physicians that might be family physicians internists might even include OB/GYNs, but could also include in some places nurse practitioners physician assistants all of those can be involved in the review of and the determination of next steps to lower LDL cholesterol. And does that mean there's not a place for cardiologists? There's always a place for cardiologists, depending on what else might be going on with an individual. I see. So the American Heart Association is really encouraging people to just make sure that this is part of their uh, regular uh, checkups um, and to to always ask about it and make sure. Is there any website that anyone can go to for more information on LDL and and bad cholesterol? Well, funny you should ask. Yes, <laughs> there is a website okay. heart dot org slash LDL will take you to the lower your LDL cholesterol now part of our website sponsored by Amgen presented by the American Heart Association with a lot more information. Again, lower LDL equals a lower likelihood of heart attack and stroke, particularly in persons who've already had a heart attack or a stroke. Great to know, Dr. Dr. Eduardo Sanchez, uh, the Chief Medical Officer for Prevention for the American Heart Association. Thank you for the wonderful information today. Very grateful to you. Thanks for joining The Way Home. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, I'm definitely inspired. Karen Antonini and Colette Travel. Mm, It makes me just want to, well, get out there and see the world again or go to another round of fabulous restaurants. It's all so wonderful. It's really, truly, I think, one of the things that makes life 
so wonderful is being able to enjoy whatever it is, whether you're eating something or drinking something or uh, seeing a new place, traveling somewhere new. It really does something for the spirit and the soul. So I'm grateful to feel like I kind of got away in this hour and uh, explored a little bit. And I hope you felt like you did as well. This is the point in the show when we go to our guru of good news. His name is Jim Cleefield, also affectionately known as Jimmy Dean. Don't ask me why. Uh, but I know you've found some really lovely stories to take us out with and get us into a brand new week. What are they? Sure. Well, I, I'm going to tell you a very unique story about a town in California, a small town where there's a mayor, as we know all across the country, everywhere you go in a town or a village or city, there's a mayor. But I'll tell you what makes this mayor so unique, LJ. You see, because this mayor has four legs. It's a golden retriever. I'll explain why. Because this is in Idlewild, California. It's it's an unincorporated town, unincorporated, and there is no mayor. There's no council. It's, it's just one of those unique towns in there. I don't know how they run things. Well, anyway, this is back uh, in 2011 that Phyllis Muller and her husband moved out there, and they've been owning Golden Retrievers for almost four decades now, back to 1984 for them. And uh, the Animal Rescue Group decided, uh, hey, maybe we should, back in 2011, let's hold our first mayoral election. Now, this is not just any mayoral election because this involves furries, right? Dogs, and mostly. Well, guess how many candidates there were? There were 14 dogs, and yes, LJ, two cats. Can you believe this? That was the election. Well, in this case, Phyllis campaigned very hard for, in this case, Mayor Max the First, her original dog of the Golden Retrievers. He won in a landslide, by the way. Congratulations. And he became so popular uh, as mayor. Uh, I mean, basically just uh, going around. I mean, he was going, making appearances at weddings and schools, all community events. They just absolutely loved him until sadly he passed from cancer 10 years ago in 2013. Then Mayor Max the Second eventually succeeded him. And now we have Mayor Max. Max III, whose name is Maximus Mighty Dog Muller III, named after a Phyllis Muller that served for a child there. Anyway, what's really unique with, with those four dogs, they all served in roles with a main mayor, in this case, the first Max, vice mayor, uh, security detail, because let's face it, dogs make us all feel secure, right? Well, the, the point of all this is, is that, I mean, yes, this was done a good fund, you know, to help raise money for the animal rescue center there in Idlewild. But it's a measure of the sense that these dogs are non-political. I mean, they this is unconditional love. They spread kindness. They spread joy. No matter what your political persuasion is, that's something you can count on. As a, as a dog owner, you, that you are and a dog uncle that I am. I mean, you can really appreciate that. And Phyllis was telling the Washington Post, it's just wonderful because the second Max got a lot of love all around the world. A lot of people were writing in and saying that they helped this dog or this this mayor helped him get through a lot of tough times, particularly the most recent COVID-19 pandemic. Mayor Max II uh, was responsible for that. So uh, I just, again, it, it again just, just goes to show you the power of love that these dogs show to us. And they just they just make such a difference that I can appreciate it. And that's just a wonderful story for a small town like that. Well, only in California, I would say, mm -hmm. um, would you find that. When you said a mare on four legs, I thought you meant a, a lady horse. <laughs> Not exactly. <laughs> well, but maybe I guess the uh, next thing. Yeah. yeah, that if, if, listen, if a dog can be a mayor, why can't a horse be? Hey, how about, a, how about a dog be the president? Is that well, is that a possibility? <laughs> I'm well, beginning to wonder if we do better off. Not not Joe Biden's dog. No, certainly, so. certainly not. The third Max, uh, uh, in fact, Phyllis got him uh, one of those ties you know, to kind of dress him up to make it look the park. Well, like any dog, he, he ate all three of the ties the first <laughs> year in his office. So <laughs> I just wanted to add that there, too. 
Okay. Well, very interesting on how they view their uh, governing uh, factor there. But that's very nice. I love it. It's It makes things nice and light. What else do you have for us, Jim? Well, we'll take you to the city of brotherly love. I guess you can say this was love forged by football, Facebook, and pizza. I guess we'll call it that. This unfolded at a Philadelphia Eagles game not too long ago. And there was a woman by the name of Liza Phillips. Uh, she was watching the game. And I guess while she was at that game, she had a little too much to drink and I guess was getting a little bit hungry. Well, there was this random Eagles fan sitting right next to her. And he was taking a bite of pizza, a slice. And she said, can I have a bite? And he said, sure. Now, they didn't know who their names were. I mean, it's just any old random fan, well, they instantly connected to that situation, but she doesn't know his name. So she decided to find out after the game, by the way, the Eagles did win. Uh, she decided, gee, who is this guy? I'd like to find out who his name is. And sure enough, with the power of social media, she connected with him via Facebook Messenger. The guy's name is Aaron Jones. He is from Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. I don't know exactly where that is, maybe outside Philadelphia proper. Well, they found out through a friend. And wouldn't you know it, they instantly connected so much so they went to another sporting event they went to a phillies playoff game recently and it became their first date and they just absolutely bonded and it started as i said with a slice of pizza just something just small (laughs) like that that it can bring people together because if i know philadelphia fans they can be they're not the nicest fans of the world they can be very cynical but these two are just so special well anyway it was so special and they captured the hearts of everybody they decided to start a Instagram page which i should be following you know what they call it it's how i met your father 215 eagles Edition, 4,000 followers. I'll be 4,001 when I follow them. But uh, it's a wonderful story. Of, and again, it all started with pizza and sports. So just you never know. I mean, you find love when you least expect it. I love that. You see, this is all like what Karen Antonini was talking about, the language of food. Look at that. She wanted that pizza probably looked really good. She probably was a little tipsy and thought had, all her filters were down. It was just like, can I have a bite to some stranger? And he decides to say yes, and the rest is history. I love it. That is adorable. Well, definitely follow them and and keep us up to date on whether or not they... Maybe we'll have another story at some point. Maybe we'll get married someday. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe they'll say I do at some pizza hut somewhere or something. Yeah, that's maybe where they'll do the reception. Wonderful. Well, I love that. Lots of fun and light and goodness to go out into the work week with. So thank you so much, Jim Cleefield, for always uh, bring the goods on the good news anytime and thank you and bob small thank you for your production value which is priceless thank you thank you (laughs) and uh for the rest of you thank you always for tuning in we appreciate it so much you can find all of my podcasts on the podcast page at 953mnc.com 953mnc.com All of the Way Home with Laura Smith podcasts are up there. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week, everyone. Take good care, lots of love, and we'll see you next time on The Way Home. I'm Laura Smith.